0: the Development Policy Centre podcast. In this episode, we bring you the second session of our Australian Aid Evaluations Forum, held in December 2015. The panel discusses the evaluation by DFAT's Office of Development Effectiveness of the Australian NGO Cooperation Program. Thank you, Stephen. Given that uh, tight timeline, I definitely won't say too much, but um, uh, in this session, we're going to be talking about the ODE evaluation of the AMCP or the Australian NGO Cooperation Program, for those that aren't familiar with the acronym. We've got a much easier session. We don't have to deal with Skype. Our speakers are all here physically, so no technical challenges. Um, we're going to be hearing from um, Tracy Mute martin from ODE, then um, Heather Fit from DFAT, um, Beth Sargent from ACFID, and then Stephen will do what the dev policy people do at the end. <laughs> um, so I'd like to kick things off by inviting up Ms. Tracy McMartin, she's the Assistant Director of ODE at DFAT.
1: Thanks very much. Well, I'll begin this morning just by talking a little bit about or introducing briefly the ANCP as a program, just for the benefit of those of you who might not be so familiar with it. Um, Before I move on to talk about the evaluation itself. So the Australian NGO Corporation Program is an annual grant program. Uh, The last couple of years, it's been sitting at about $130 million. Um, And as such, it's the largest funding window for NGOs um, through the the aid program. So um, Australian NGOs are required to contribute some of their own funds to ANCP projects um, at a ratio of a minimum of one to five. And what the evaluation found was that, in fact, uh, NGOs are contributing quite a bit more. So the ratio is closer to a two-to-three ratio. To give you a sense of the scale of the program, there are more than 50 Australian NGOs who are accredited uh, under the program. And these NGOs deliver projects in partnership with local NGOs, Uh, sometimes with private sector organisations and with government overseas. Uh, The ANCP represents a large number of individual projects covering many sectors and many countries. (coughs) Uh, You'll see the the number of beneficiaries up there um, and that's uh, including both direct and indirect beneficiaries to the program. And lastly, the ANCP is a a long-lived program Uh, In fact, some of you may have even attended the the 40th anniversary celebrations that were held earlier this year up at Parliament House. Um, But I think that the longevity of of the programme really speaks to its ability to be flexible and adaptable uh, in the face of changing government policy over the years. So about the evaluation. uh, The evaluation looked at the relevance, the effectiveness and the efficiency of the program as a whole. So what I mean by that is that the evaluation didn't look at individual projects or individual NGOs, but rather it looked at the systems and practices around uh, NGO accreditation, around how funding was allocated, and looking at the monitoring, evaluation, and learning framework of the program. The evaluation also examined or looked at DFAT and NGOs in terms of their performance under the program. Uh, The program is underpinned by principle of partnership, and so ODE thought it was important to treat both parties as equal stakeholders to the evaluation. So part of this consultative approach was to invite the ACFID Development Practice Committee to be a reference group for the evaluation, and that meant that uh, both ACFID and DFAT's NGO and Volunteers branch both had an opportunity to provide feedback and comment on the various evaluation products through, throughout the process. We also held a recommendations workshop where we invited representatives from both sides to come and discuss and refine draft recommendations. And uh, I think we have found that that was a really valuable process for getting a good buy-in and good discussion. Um, around what, the, uh, what ODE would recommend. In terms of how we actually ran the evaluation, so ODE staff were active team members uh, and we collaborated closely with the contracted team from Coffee International. So my colleague Simon Ernst and myself uh, provided substantive input to the evaluation plan. We participated in field work and, and data collection. And we wrote parts of the report as well. And I just mention this because uh, ODE is increasing to look, uh, looking to work this way um, with staff participating in evaluations as team members or as team leaders, um, rather than just being commissioners of evaluations. Um, and in fact, um, the MDB evaluation, which David presented on, worked in a similar way where they, they were actively involved in conducting um, a lot of the data collection and the analysis around that. That evaluation. In the case of ANZP, I think um, this was a successful approach in terms of the quality of the process as well as the quality of the report that we were able to produce. Sorry, Tracy,
2: it's hard to hear you while you're back. Can we just check the mic? It's
1: actually on. Okay. Well, it like to... Maybe turning now, that might be better. Okay. <laughs> Great, you haven't missed much. Is this better? (laughs) (laughs) You haven't missed much because now I'm going to talk about the actual evaluation and what it found. (laughs) Okay, key findings uh, from the evaluation. So the evaluation found that ANCP offers really good flexibility to NGOs in terms of um, where they're going to work um, and what activities they're going to do. Um, The evaluation found also that um, this flexibility extends the reach of the aid program into areas where we might not otherwise be focused or other areas we might not consider um, high priorities. And overall, we thought this was a good thing. We found that accreditation is highly valued um, by both NGOs and the partners that they work with as well. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit later. The evaluation found that the funding model was not sufficiently adaptable Um, and this specifically relates to um, a scenario where the the funding for ANCP might be uh, reduced or where you might see a significant increase in the number of NGOs who are wanting to enter the program and therefore the existing money has to be um, shared more widely. Um, In those sorts of cases uh, we thought that the the funding policy wasn't sufficiently clear and transparent about how um, funding would be allocated. And so this is something we recommended needs um, to to be seriously looked at. We also found that learning within the program uh, could be better. So the monitoring evaluation and learning framework that is part of the the program does produce quite a bit of information, um, particularly the thematic reviews and evaluations that are conducted under the program. Um, provide information and learning that could be of benefit. Um, but we found that there really wasn't uh, a good mechanism or, or a good practice around regularly sharing those lessons, either amongst the uh, NGO group themselves or between NGOs and the department. So this is something else that we thought needed further attention. And lastly, we found that the engage, engagement across DFAT is quite variable on ANCP, Um, And that relates to both um, a basic awareness of ANCP, what it is, how it operates, what are the principles underpinning it, through to more detailed knowledge around uh, the sectors or the countries where activities are happening and being implemented. So a lot of that information is available on our internal systems and also on our website. Um, But... I guess there's an issue around whether information is available as opposed to whether it's accessible. And particularly for large posts where people are very busy, um, we believe, or the the evaluation found, that there needs to be more effort made to target information to some of those large posts so that they understand um, not just the program but also have a good understanding of the the range of activities that are being implemented in their country. And uh, we also recommended that... Um, both the NGO and volunteers branch of DFAT as well as NGOs themselves directly engage with posts to achieve that. So I'll finish by just sharing a few lessons or reflections on uh, the findings of the evaluation. We found that there was a strong complementarity between the activities that were going on under ANCP and, the, and DFAT's aid policies without the need for explicit direction to NGOs about exactly what they should be doing. Um, and I think this is a really, um, a really good thing and a strength of the program. So what that's really saying is that we're not facing um, a choice or a trade-off between, uh, on one hand, flexibility and autonomy of uh, NGOs to, to choose how they're going to implement their programs and on the other hand, maintaining relevance to aid policy. Some NGOs saw that uh, predictability of ANCP funding was one of the greatest strengths of the program, and yet others told us that this was a weakness. So um, on balance, I guess, we we found that the ANCP does provide um, ANGOs with a predictable source of multi-year funding particularly considering the other sources of funding that were available to them. Accreditation was seen um, by many as a mark of professionalism and confidence in NGOs. Um, It's considered a a stamp of approval by the government um, to say that these organisations can be trusted partners. And we found that many NGOs use their accreditation status to advance partnerships with um, other parts of DFAT, with other donors and with the communities. So this is a valuable aspect of the program. And lastly, ANCP enables NGOs to pursue their own strategies for tackling poverty and for promoting development. And so many NGOs reported that this has allowed them to be more innovative in the way that they worked. Um, For example, they were able to test new development practice models using some of the ANCP funding. And then if that was that model was successful, they were able to replicate or scale up. So in conclusion, I guess while there were um, both strengths and weaknesses in the program, the evaluation found that the ANZP is a successful and highly valued program. Uh, and I think I'll on that positive, maybe too positive note for an evaluation, I'm, Thinking that I've, I've, I've missed some opportunities here, to not rip into that. <laughs> but um, I mean, there certainly were strengths and weaknesses that we found. Um, some of the weaknesses, I guess, were probably issues that were a bit more down in the weeds and probably things that we wouldn't have time to go into, a bit too technical for this presentation. So I'll, I'll leave it on that note and allow others to speak about the experience of being evaluated. <laughs>
0: Uh, thank you for that, Tracy. I'm now going to invite um, Beth Sargent, who is the Head of Policy and Advocacy at ACFED, and she'll be able to provide us a bit about that experience of being evaluated and the NGO perspective. Thanks, Beth. Please welcome Beth.
3: Thank you, thanks very much for the opportunity to speak today and and share some of Actford's insights on the evaluation. I'm going to start with a bit of context setting, uh, then I'll sort of talk about what the sector was keen to get from the evaluation, where it landed, and a, a quick response to the recommendations. So as Tracy mentioned, the ANCP evaluation coincided with the 40th anniversary of the program. And while the ANCP has stood the test of time, there was a degree of nervousness in the sector when discussions commenced about this evaluation. It was not so much to do with the program itself, but the context in which the evaluation was taking place. So the ANCP evaluation had been on the ODE's uh, forward work plan for a number of years, but it fell at a real great time of great uncertainty within the aid program. The government had just confirmed substantial cuts to the aid budget, but it was unsure where these were going to fall. And the government had also released a new aid policy, uh, which was very strong on the role of the private sector, but pretty quiet on the role of NGOs. So while there was concern, the optimists saw this as an opportunity. In a tight fiscal environment, it was an opportunity to to look at the effectiveness of the ANCP and and hopefully demonstrate that, to explore the actual value-add of NGOs as development actors compared to other actors um, and look at how to improve the program in the new operating environment. So once the evaluation was up and running, uh, what were some of ACFID's expectations? Um, and I just want to start by um, acknowledging that ACFID and its members were actively engaged in every step of the evaluation, particularly ACFID's development practice committee, as Tracy mentioned. So um, a big thanks to the ODE for the consultative approach to this evaluation Um, I guess I'd mentioned some of the opportunities we saw was to assess the results and the impact of the ANCP over time, given it had been such a long-running program and this hadn't been pulled together before, to look at the public diplomacy aspects or the engagement aspects of the ANCP, particularly in light of a a DFAT department, to learn from the evaluation and look to improve it um, and to support increased awareness of the ANCP, again, particularly in a merged um, department. And um, with my advocacy hat on, we were also hopeful for a um, a good good result that helps build the case for sustained and increased investment in the ANCP. Some of the risks that we saw, uh, there was a really broad scope to the evaluation, so concern that that could lead to a thin analysis. Further scrutiny being applied to what we thought was an already much scrutinised program and one that has seen quite a bit of reform in recent years already. Uh, And lastly, um, concerned that the evaluation could look to sort of a a restriction or contraction of the ANCP in a new aid environment. Um, I guess a broader tension we sort of felt with the evaluation as well around the, um, the terms of reference was sort of this balance between... Uh, looking back and evaluating the program, but also looking forward and situating the program within the new aid policy. So it was, it was trying to do both things. So, where did the evaluation land? And Tracy's already touched on this. Um, the evaluation we feel is overwhelmingly positive about the ANCP. Uh, it highlights strengths, uh, efficiency, and performance of the ANCP in ways that validate the program, but it does also highlight some um, room for improvement, particularly around the sort of management of and procedures around the program. Just to touch on some of the strengths or, or the findings, uh, firstly, the results it delivers. Um, so the report found that on aggregate development results, the ANCP is one of DFAT's best-performing program, um, It accounts for less than 3% of the budget, but in 2013-14 reported 18.2% of DFAT's aggregate development results. Um, This is definitely the NGO sector's uh, most known and quoted line from the evaluation report. Um, But we also recognise that um, behind that sits, I guess, the sort of um, the rigour around the reporting that's required of uh, NGOs through the program, which actually allows for those results to be captured more so than um, for some other programs. Secondly, on extending the reach of the aid program. um, So the ANCP found that, sorry, the evaluation found that the ANCP both complements and extends the reach of the aid program, supporting activities, building relationships and and developing capacity in in sectors and geographical areas beyond the footprint of DFAT's regional and bilateral (coughs) programs. Um, The evaluation notes at times of a whimsical aid budget, which is one way to describe it, Um, this can be important. So as we've said, the ANCP represents a small percentage of the aid program funding, but it offers benefit in maintaining a, a residual capacity to scale up or respond to shifts in the aid program's sectoral or geographic focus. Um, We've also heard that it it sort of supports the aid program as well by actually bringing in and leveraging funding that NGOs raise through the Australian public. Thirdly, around the the public diplomacy benefits of the ANCP or or how the the, um, ANCP helps the aid program to engage more broadly. Um, So the the evaluation found this relates both to uh, engagement within Australia, the ANCP can encourage a positive relationship between the constituencies of Australian NGOs and the Australian Aid Programme. Um, you know, I think, particularly with the cuts to the aid budget, we've seen that there isn't a lot of understanding in the um, Australian public around the sort of role and, of the Australian Aid Programme, what it does. So Australian NGOs are a sort of vital tool to help build that understanding through their engagement with the public. Secondly, the public diplomacy in developing countries. So the ANCP provides an opportunity for DFAT and heads of mission to engage with NGOs in-country, to to, uh, draw on their expertise and to engage with their local partners as well. I just wanted to touch on some of the um, factors that we think sort of... Well, the evaluation talks about what are the factors that drive these strengths of the ANCP... First, and Tracy's touched on this as well, the um, organisational autonomy of NGOs, so in terms of the the programming decisions that they make. Um, The evaluation emphasises that this organisational autonomy allows NGOs to take a long-term approach to programming and building partnerships, to use their comparative advantage, and to play a critical role in service delivery while also influencing and holding governments to account. But it's also important to note that this autonomy that the program provides um, does not equate with not aligning with the broader aid priorities of the government. So evaluation found that the work of ANCP agencies does in fact align with the aid programs priorities overall, as well as those of uh, development country governments and aligning with international aid effectiveness principles. The second important factor of the program around its strengths is this flexible funding. Um, again, the flexible nature of the funding um, allows NGOs to take an integrated approach to delivery, um, but also, as well as undertaking sort of service delivery and programming, to use the funding to support advocacy, um, to engage with partner com- partner governments um, to try and push for more systemic change. Um, Uh, The evaluation also talks the importance of predictable funding. That Tracy sort of highlighted a nice nuance there. Um, But, yeah, as we've seen, I think the predictability of funding through the ANCP has been hampered by cuts in recent years. So the third important point around the strengths of the program is the accreditation and the monitoring and evaluation framework. Um, So these really support the effectiveness um, of NGOs in their work. Um, and we feel that these processes also link well to the work of ACFID. Um, Our code of conduct is uh, a precursor to accreditation um, and the work that we do with NGOs around our learning and development program. A quick response to the recommendations. Um, Overall, our view was that the recommendations were sound and useful um, and we're already working with DFAT's NGO branch to take a number of them forward The first one around the transparent funding allocation policy, Um, absolutely we support the idea of there being a transparent and uh, clear process around how ANCP funds are allocated and think that a policy could help sort of pull that back together and support this. We're glad to see that DFAT's taking a principles-based approach to this and the idea to try and keep the funding allocation policy simple and straightforward, Um, and we're also pleased that recognised development expenditure (laughs) um, which is sort of one of the main aspects of the ANCP will will remain the foundation of that funding allocation policy. The second point around um, accreditation levels, again yes um, this should be a transparent and, and clear process Around accreditation, ACFID's strong view is that um, accreditation must remain open for new NGOs to join the program. Um, We have seen a freeze on accreditation in the past. We know this is a tricky thing to manage with an aid budget, but we see accreditation as sort of a a government secondary check on the market as to the efficiency and effectiveness of Australian NGOs and and the diversity of NGOs being able to access the program is important. Um, I think some of our Actford, sort of smaller member agencies um, would also want me to make the point around um, the granulation of accreditation. So particularly between the level of base and full at the moment, um, there's not too much difference, and it can actually be quite tricky for small agencies to access the program. Oh. Okay. Um, all right, I might jump just, rather than sort of continue to go through the recommendations, just to um, a bit around what else we thought the evaluation could have delivered Um, as tracy mentioned the evaluation was really focused on the the mechanism um, of the ancp so quite a bit of it was around sort of procedural aspects Um, and reflecting back we thought there was a couple of things that additional aspects the evaluation could have looked at so i'm going to be one of those people that said the scope was broad and now say we'd like to have seen it broader Um, The first one around capturing and analysing the results of the ANCP over over time, Um, we think it was sort of a real missed opportunity to kind of look at the impact of the program and uh, a broader look around the effectiveness of the program. Um, The second one around a comparison with other DFAT funding models. So the evaluation includes a comparison with some other NGO funding models, such as the Civil Society WASH Fund, but not with funding models for other actors, such as managing contractors. Um, And we thought this was a missed opportunity to look at the strengths of the ANCP, how that can be applied to other funding models, and also vice versa. Lastly, the comparison with NGO funding models by other donors, um, international donors, So there's an annex to the report that includes the comparison of the ANCP to NGO funding models of other donors, and there's case studies throughout, but we felt this wasn't really brought together and crystallised as much as it could have been in terms of the strengths of other mechanisms that the ANCP could learn from and vice versa. So in making these points, um, I'm also aware of the scope and and, uh, resource constraints for the evaluation, but it could be interesting further pieces of work to consider. So just to conclude, uh, the NGOs bring strengths to the Australian aid program, Um, they leverage funds, have extensive networks, sector and geographic expertise and hold themselves to effectiveness standards. They also work in partnership, so ANCP agencies would readily admit that by acting alone, the impact of NGOs would be limited in scope, scale and sustainability. So we feel that the ANCP really capitalized on the strengths of NGOs and exemplifies a collaborative effort, and we're keen to continue to work with the department on taking forward the recommendations. Thank you.
0: Thank you for that, Beth. Um next we're going to hear our management response from Heather Fitt, who's the Assistant Director of the Humanitarian NGOs and Partnership Division at DFAT. Thanks, Thanks. Heather.
3: Thanks. Just number 4. Number
4: Thanks. Thanks and it's nice to see a full room. I mean, we usually pull a crowd in um, within the department when we have our performance and quality or civil society networks, but it's nice to see in the sharp pit of death policy that we've also <laughs> been able to draw a draw a crowd. So Um, Before I begin, I'd just like to acknowledge the Ngunnawal people, the land, the traditional owners of the land on which we meet, and pay my respect to their elders past and present. So let me start by saying it's been a very big year for the ANCP. So on top of the ODE evaluation, which began about 18 months ago, and Christina and I were at the beginning and we have seen it through to the end, which is probably a rarity within the department, Um, In March this year, as um, was mentioned, we had our 40th anniversary celebrated with Minister Bishop at Parliament House. In September, we held our inaugural annual reflections workshops with the NGOs in both Sydney and Melbourne. In October, we finalised our program, Logic, also known as the Theory of Change, um, and it's up on the DFAT website. And just last week, we published our annual aid program um, performance report. We've also been working on the sidelines, and it's still working progress on our thematic review on gender equality and um, women's empowerment. And we hope that will be finalised shortly, and that's just on top of the regular program management. That, as Tracy said, you know, the 130 million dollars, 53 NGOs. It's a large beast to turn over each year and make sure that we um, manage it effectively. On top of that, last uh, week our um, colleagues in the NGO policy team, um, Ministers Bishop and um, Chobo launched the new NGO engagement framework, which replaces the civil society engagement framework. So it's a great read. I can recommend that along with the evaluation. And that really recognises the role of NGOs in um, delivering our development priorities. So today I just want to talk about our engagement with the evaluation process and the management response and what we've done to date to implement the recommendations. And I think um, I'd also like to echo um, Beth's comments that, you know, we found the process um, very consultative um, and we were really pleased with the findings that the ANCP is an effective and highly valued um, program. So an evaluation of a program like this um, can be fairly daunting, both for us as program managers and not just the um, sector, which we know that there was quite a degree of concern Throughout, But I think the process that ODE set up really contributed to it being consultative and collaborative and, you know, we'd really like to thank ODE for um, their engagement with us. From a, a management perspective, we had fairly regular engagement with um, Tracy and Simon and the coffee team. We had scheduled meetings but also ad hoc meetings where any issues or questions that were raised um, could be brought to us. Um, You know, perhaps at times we felt that the team didn't quite understand our special program and we wanted to provide more information um, and understanding and really give them as much um, of a context or information as possible from which to draw their conclusions. Um, I think, you know, that... um, Knowing that we had to provide additional information is also a lesson to us in terms of how we communicate our program, um, both within the department and more broadly, because if, you know, experienced evaluators don't quite understand the program, then um, colleagues and um, the Australian public might also have trouble engaging with it. So on the management response, I think, you know, um, it's been mentioned that the findings that it's a flexible program, it extends the reach... Um, There's a high degree of alignment with the aid program goals and it produces significant results was also a fairly key um, finding for us in terms of we thought we had an effective program but having an independent evaluation come to the same conclusion I think is really important for us in terms of validating the program. We also note the warning that the evaluation gave us that any attempts to narrow the program to current government priorities would limit the flexibility, and I think that's fairly important and it links in with our engagement and communication of the program um, to post. And in a um, contracting budgetary environment, we've had many more colleagues come and knock at our door to find out about ANCP. So, um, you know, we're trying to explain that the design is... Um, There is flexibility and there is autonomy with how the NGOs um, use the funding. We also, I think, welcome the recommendations as ways to strengthen the program. And, you know, sometimes we thought perhaps having, you know, a little bit more detail in the recommendations might have helped us work out how to navigate sort of the changes that we need to make in terms of continuously improving the program. But I think... Immediately after the um, report was launched in August, we held our reflections workshops with the NGOs, and I think that was a way of trying to show that we were taking the um, evaluation and the recommendations seriously and trying to incorporate it into our program management and, I guess, engage with the sector on um, those recommendations So, getting to the recommendations themselves, um, the first two on the transparent funding allocation policy um, and the accreditation and partnerships, I mean, they're um, quite interlinked and I suppose they're at the top of our to-do list. Um, On the funding allocation policy, um, Beth mentioned the recognised development expenditure, which is basically the funds that NGOs can raise and expend overseas from the Australian community. And the more... Um, the higher an uh, RDE is, then you know it gives NGOs greater access to ANCP funding, and in an expanding budget we were able to add in the partners pool and we were able to sort of tack things onto the funding model and It became a little bit more complicated and probably less transparent um, and that 's been noted I think um, in a constrained budget environment, we just can 't continue to um, operate like we were. And we do see a returning to basics and using recognised development expenditure as the basis. So um, we have consulted with our um, principals both at the Reflections Workshops and the Committee for Development Cooperation, which is the joint DFAT um, sector ACFID um, advisory um, body. And the principles that have been approved by Jamie Isbister, our first Assistant Secretary, um, include consistency, transparency, organisational capacity and community support. And so those principles will inform the funding policy, which is the next work that we have to do um, in early in the new year. On accreditation and partnerships, I think you know the points have been made by Tracey and Beth about the benefits um, that accreditation bring to the program and more broadly. I think we are going to maintain the two levels of base and full. Um, But our challenge is to make sure that accreditation um, remains a suitable mechanism for assessing NGOs, um, as well as maintaining the cycle. So in 2014-15, we had seven new and eight re-accreditations, so we need to make sure we have enough assessors as well to actually undertake um, the accreditations. And we've also got a growing program, um, albeit um, a small window that um, from September to December, the program does remain open, and we've seen... Um, a 20% increase from 42 NGOs in 2012 to up to 53 in 15-16. So it's great, but it also has its own challenges in terms of managing the process. Okay, Um, ANCP partners um, on the partnerships. I think, you know, the current partnership, um, MOU, came in at a time of an expanding um, budget. Um, There have been changes almost from the time the MOU was signed. And I think the um, NGO engagement framework here um, recognises that we need to capitalise on NGO strengths and work out what's the best way to engage with, um, with NGOs as partners and extend the effectiveness um, of the aid program more broadly and um, working out what those um, key priority areas might be, whether it's in um, gender equality and women's empowerment or the private sector, but drawing on the strengths that the NGOs bring. And that will could happen through strategic high-level engagement, but also the regular informal engagement and through um, ACFID's communities of practice as their working groups are now known. Um, the engagement across um, DFAT, we see, um, yes, we could improve, and the nature of the department is that people are always changing ambassadors, and high commissioners, and first secretaries, and councillors, um, you know, by our very nature, change over. So we need to get better at improving our engagement before people go on posting. Um, we have regular processes for managing the approval of projects and. Uh, risk and fraud management, but I think trying to get better products and more targeted briefing, um, I think that is quite important and it's something that we're working on to make that information more accessible and not just, um, you know, something that uh, we provide a standard briefing but trying to get a one-page infographic and we've also got a mapping facility Um, The program logic, we need to work on the validation of results, and I think that's something that um, we know that we could strengthen. um, And learning already, as um, Beth said, we've um, already begun engagement with ACFET about how we can um, better share learning both within the ANCP but more broadly across the sector um, to help their... So I think the evaluation is, um, you know, both the process and the, our implementation of the recommendations has contributed to one of the highest levels of engagement between the sector um, and the department um, over the last year, which has been great. And I think we welcome the evaluation and look forward to working um, with ANCP NGOs and ACFID um, so that our program can continue to be an effective mechanism to help um, improve people's living standards and wellbeing in partner countries. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Heather. I now turn like to invite Stephen House, the director of the Development Policy Centre, to
5: respond. Okay, thanks, Ashley. And yeah, I just have a few slides. Uh, I'll be brief. Um, I guess this is just a chance to offer a, another perspective. Um, I do want to say at the outset, I am on the board of uh, Care Australia, and Care does receive funds from ANCP, so that's a conflict of interest, but I'm uh, speaking on my own personal capacity today, <coughs> not on behalf of Care. Um, I also want to commend the uh, authors of the report, and especially both, both of the reports You know, have been done more in-house. I remember in the past four we've had presentations by consultants, and it's great to have presentations uh, by the DFAT staff, and that reflects your great involvement. I think it's a better product as a result. And, uh, you know, certainly I think I came away convinced that ANCP is a good program. I guess I went in with that view. (laughs) But it certainly, uh, it confirmed me. Uh, Anyway, that said, it wouldn't be a, uh, you know, dev policy presentation if we didn't make a few critical remarks. So I'm going to give five. Uh, One about this uh, key finding of the 18%. Two about the recommendations. And two about issues that weren't covered covered off. So, yeah, let me go. Does ANCP deliver one-fifth of the A program's results? And I know there's a feeling maybe ACFID's made too much of this, but I do feel the report uh, left itself open to this. And uh, this quote is from the executive summary. So it's up there in uh, red, you know, in lights. Based on ADR figures alone, AHP is one of DFAT's best-forming programs. It uh, only cost 2% of the budget, but it did 18% of the results. And that's it in the executive summary. And it's repeated a couple of times in the text uh, with very little qualification and with no analysis. Uh, But it's a highly problematic assessment in my view. I mean, why? I think there should have been some attempt to explain why this, Right. Is it that um, NGOs are just better at reporting, so they're more diligent, whereas the uh, DFAT staff are too busy if they don't have time to report their results? Or is it they work more in areas where these results are focused, so these results are not focused on things like governance, um, which are intangible, so they're focused in the areas where you can report results? Or is it their projects deliver better results? Right, And if it's a third one, well, we better be pretty worried because if we can achieve... 20% of the results is only 3% of the budget. We can cut the A program a lot more. Right? What is the rest of the A program doing? Right? Yeah. I think that raises a lot of questions, which the uh, evaluation couldn't have gone to that, but it should have given some analysis of this uh, key finding. Of course, it didn't, and that left it open for, D, for ACFID to supply its own, to not only repeat the result, but to explain the result. Right? And there it is, because it does it leverages, and it's delivered effective, efficiently and effectively. So you know, if you don't give your own explanation, you can't blame ACFID for coming up. With its explanation. So, I do feel a lot more care and a lot more analysis should have been put around this uh, this important finding. All right, now on to our recommendations. Um, You know, I think it it was good the evaluation had some, uh, I think, pretty tangible concrete recommendations. And so, here I'm going to have a bit of a go at DFAT. Although, anyway, let, let me just do it. Uh, first of all, should performance be a factor in determining allocations? Right? This is an old issue. You know, basically, the more you raise from the public, the more you're going to get from ANCP, right? It's a matching grants program, right? The, so there's always been this uh, worry, well, is that, is that, does that make sense, right? Shouldn't we give more money to those who are more effective, not to those who are more effective at development rather than more effective at fundraising? And the evaluation says yes, right? It should enable DFAT performance assessments to impact on allocations, right? And uh, DFAT, although it says it agrees, right, actually disagrees. Right? So it says, it says no while saying yes. It says it will draw on performance information where applicable to confirm allocations. Right? But of course, you know, world vision gets much more than anyone else, but we're not saying it performs better. Right? It's better at fundraising. So if you were really going to take performance, it wouldn't confirm allocations. It would really change them. So I think uh, DFAT's not looking to make any change in this. And, uh, you know, frankly, I'm, I tend to agree with DFAT. I mean, I think we've toyed with this idea. I know it came up in the various reviews I've been involved in. It should be a link to performance. And you think how hard it is, right? And is a bureaucrat really going to be better at deciding on performance in the Australian you know, public? And uh, I think, it's, as people said, there's some good mention of international experience. And clearly, some countries do link it to performance. But you'd have to dig deeper and do more analysis before you could be comfortable uh, recommending uh, this change. Uh, another recommendation is whether DFAT uh, can do more to improve performance management and transparency around the program. Again, the evaluation says, yes, it should. DFAT should introduce a system of independent review of validation of the performance management and results reporting systems used by the large NCP members. Uh, and DFAT, again, to my mind, it says, it says it agrees, but actually it doesn't, it disagrees. And because it says DFAT will formalise the validation performance management and results reporting through existing and MELF, that's the existing reporting system, and the existing accreditation system. And what I see the, the evaluation saying is it has to go beyond that. And defect can have its own look at how good is the uh, performance management results reporting system. So here I tend to agree with the evaluation. I think DFAC could do more. The current accreditation system is pretty weak in the areas of transparency and evaluation. For example, if you go to the accreditation for transparency, all you've got to do is your public information has to be accurate, timely, and accessible. It doesn't say what that public information is, right? It could be a human interest story. There's nothing, no requirement you have to publish your evaluations. Right? And uh, likewise, the evaluation requirements are fairly weak. You need an effectiveness framework. Right? That there's clearly a lot of scope to interpret that. Uh, so I think DFAT could push NGOs to be more transparent and do more an evaluation through this, but they have to leave by example. And, you know, it does strike me, you know, asking why isn't the list of ANCP projects public? It's all taxpayer funded. Why isn't it public? Uh, in fact, uh, we were just discussing, can you actually find out how much NGOs get through the ANCP. I think if you keep really dig hard into the tender system, you can, but it's very difficult to even get that information. So I think uh, um, DFAT could do a lot more to promote transparency and promote uh, a culture of good evaluation. Uh, and also, I'm interested if they do these reviews. I think that's very good. I'm interested how DFAT chooses these reviews. And is there a kind of any sort of random system, right, where you just, just spot choose, uh, spot check on projects? I think that would that would be a healthy discipline. All right, those are the finally a uh, couple of two issues that the review didn't go into, but which I guess are, I'm just interested in, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise them. I think, uh, you know, the whole issue about the ANCP guidelines um, is one I've... You know, when I, I look at it, uh, I've got some questions. It seems to me ANCP provides very long-term funding, right? Once you get ANCP funding, you can get that funding for 10 or 20 years. Uh, but if you look at the guidelines... Okay, it's not so much no welfare spending, although that's a separate issue, but no recurrent spending, right? No recurrent spending, right? So, and and you've got to focus on sustainability, right? Those are the policies, exit strategies, sustainability, of course, strong emphasis on capacity building, right? That we all love. But, um, you know, I think that that's one way of doing development. Another way, you know, we're in this for a long period, this is going to be a 10 or 20 year project. Uh, How can you do these projects without recurrent funding, right? Right. some of the best projects I've seen have been very long-term and involved lots of recurrent funding. You spend the money again and again, and over a very long period, you build capacity building. So I do have this uh, worry that although ANCP provides multi-year funding, the, these guidelines encourage the same sort of three- to five-year projects. And maybe there's a chance to do something different. Now, we all talk about the need for 10, 20-year projects. Perhaps you could uh, revise the guidelines. Yeah, and then finally, uh, you know, stepping back, this is an issue we've sort of been interested in at the centre, uh, tax deductibility, right? There are two ways that the aid program provides, you know, sort of core funding, or th- three ways it provides funding for NGOs, right? Projects that are specific and a, a bid for or, or sole source, uh, ANCP, which is um, sort of matching funding, and then tax deductibility, right? And if you think uh, of these, probably the tax deductibility is the largest, right? If you, Australians give about a billion to NGOs. I don't know how much of that is tax deductible, but, like, say, 30% might be, might be. 200, 300 million. So it's a big chunk and it's actually worth more. Maybe not many times ANCP, but it is worth more than ANCP. And um, that's an interesting issue uh, to think about because they're both forms of government support. And there is this... It is a kind of... I think it has salience in the current context because the uh, second and third largest development NGOs in Australia are MSF and Compassion. They both get tax deductibility, but neither of them participate in ANCP. Now that's fine, in sense it's up to them, right? They could try to participate if they want, but we know the reason they, they don't. it kind of go. You think, well, how can they participate in tax deductibility? You know, for for compassion, my understanding is, you know, they're concerned about the that, that they're not allowed to evangelize, right? Well, you're not allowed to evangelize to get tax deductibility either, right? Uh, the difference is the tax deductibility is a one-off. You know, once you get tax deductibility, there's no accreditation, right? Well, that 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 is a type of accreditation, but there's no re-accreditation, right? You're in. And uh, with MSF, I know it's issues around the um, anti-terrorism commitments you have to make. But again, I've never understood the difference between the anti-terrorism commitments under tax deductibility and under grants. So I think this is also an issue uh, for uh, interesting discussion. And, you know, I, I used to think ANCP was actually budget support. Now I understand it's actually you've got to list the projects. It's really project support, but you can choose your own projects. And is there a case for actually shifting to budget support, right? Perhaps with a negative list, things you can't do, but that would certainly simplify the system, perhaps help move in that direction of uh, encouraging long-term engagements. Those are my comments. Thank you.
2: Uh,
0: thank you. I'd like to invite our speakers to come up to the front and we'll have, we'll have about 10 minutes for Q&A, hopefully. Um, so please come on down. Um, we'll take a couple of questions at a time. So um, show of hands. Yeah, we'll start here.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Hi, um, right? I'm Michael Bergman from DFAT. Um, I don't know whether this is for Stephen or, or maybe for Beth. Yeah. Um, just a, the point, a different point around, around transparency. Why, why, don't we, why, why aren't NGOs already open about this? Why doesn't they need that to push NGOs to be transparent? I understand that it is something we could do uh, underneath uh, under the anti people. Why does the
0: NGOs need us to put okay, cool. Do we have any others for this round?
6: Question? Yeah, I'm just a uh, comment on monitoring and evaluation that's kind of a bit still so long as I'm just struck by this morning talking about how we can't get information from, um, or it's too difficult to get uh, monitoring and evaluation information from uh, non-core funding to the multinationals, and we have so much information pouring out of the NGOs, but a much smaller programme and Stephen is even suggesting that we go in harder on that front to get more and more and more. I mean, I think in terms of transparency, probably some of this information is available on the NGOs' own websites and so on. So it's not a matter of, you know, this is matching funds, It's is not DPAC, um, DPAC programmes in their entirety. But I'm just struck by the um, contrast between what um, Yeah, what's required in terms of reporting among the NGOs and what's required from the multilateral. So I'd be interested in any comments on that. But in particular, maybe on Heather's point, that, you know, I still feel like this evaluation has not fully captured exactly what the ANCP, like, just how good it is. (laughs) And and, and unfortunately, you know, I don't think that that figure of, you know, 18.2% does anyone in really telling that story, because it's much more than digging wells. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just very worried about the way that DPAC approaches monitoring evaluation in a nice, proportionate, sensible way that actually captures meaningful information. So, I think there's a very in those two questions, so
0: I might throw to the panel to respond. Does anyone want uh, to jump in first? <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yes. Um, The transparency issue and, um, you know, what's available, I think, um, you know, there is a lot of information that the NGOs would have um, accessible on their website, and at the moment we're in the process of refreshing the ANCP page on the DFAT website, and we're getting into the land of tweeting and things, which is all very exciting, but trying to get some of that richness of the work that we do under ANCP um, a little bit more accessible. I think the challenges with the MILF and with a program such as ANCP um, is we fund, you know, 20-odd million to World Vision and 150,000 to, you know, small NGOs and it's covering everything in between. So um, just to get the monitoring, evaluation and learning framework agreed in the first place, I suppose, that was a major milestone because before we had 40-odd different reporting, um, uh, NGOs reporting on paper-based systems, so trying to aggregate information was quite difficult. Um, we recognise, I suppose, some of the shortcomings of the um, framework itself in terms of the data, and um, I think, you know, the data that's quoted both by ACFID and in the evaluation itself, we recognise that um, they do link back to the former um comprehensive aid program, the headline results, and that's only one source of information. It's usually the output-related information and it is much more easy to to gather the information. I think um, NGOs, particularly those in... The ANCP do have a high degree of scrutiny both um, through accreditation but then the reporting requirements that um, we have. I think we're on the front foot in lots of ways in that we have a system that we can capture that information. It's just probably a resource constraint within the team as to how we can um, use that information or share it more publicly um, and that's something that we probably need to have a look at. So I don't know quite, Joe, whether it answers all of your... Um, Questions, But it's sort of work in progress and, um, you know, we sort of see that it's continuous improvement. And by developing a program logic, I guess we've also tried to shift um, getting some of the information that is at the output level um, to program outcomes so that we can um, talk about the program as a whole. Because I think NGOs are often focused on what they're doing down here and not seeing that they're part of one of 53 potentially growing with, you know, depending on how many um, new NGOs get through accreditation this year. So it's balancing the very big and the very small and trying to tell a coherent story.
3: Just to add, um, yeah, to Stephen's point around greater transparency around... On DFAT website around sort of the ANCP projects. Um, I think yes, but I, I think it speaks to kind of this broader lack of transparency around um, program level detail from the DFAT website more broadly. So I think it's not it's not just around the ANCP. Um, around NGOs themselves, um, there is yet yeah, requirements through the ACFR Code of Conduct around transparency. I think if you go to NGO's websites, information there. Um, Australian NGOs also report into ACFID around um, their programming, so we sort of release aggregated data around that every year and, and we're looking to do more with the information that we collect as well to make that more accessible on the ACFID website sort of from next year. Um, I think Stephen's point as well was really interesting around that the 18.2% and, and absolutely a great analysis of what's behind that. Um, I think because the report sort of does jump to um, questioning the sort of the the fact behind that from a a reporting process and that's part of it, but it would have been really interesting to delve into that more. Um, And I think to your point as well, yeah, I think the the feel of Australian NGOs is that there is really stringent reporting requirements around them and and that's good, but, you know, let's make sure there's similar processes for other partners within the aid program as well.
5: Yeah, I'll just add, if I can, uh, I, I feel on uh, transparency, you know, you need to take a pragmatic approach. It's, it does take the resource commitment. And if you've already got all this information, it's already assembled. It's like basic information, how much money you're getting, what projects, mm-hmm. yeah, make it public, and mm-hmm. that'll do everyone a service. And on Joe's point, I mean, I just don't accept the premise of that framework. I mean, the you know, the day an NGO sets up an independent evaluation or that's independent of the uh, management, as the World Bank has done, and as ADB, then I'll accept it. NGOs do better on m and than the multilaterals. I feel the multilaterals do much better on M&E than NGOs. Right, I think we'll take some more
0: questions.
5: Are so there any other hands out there? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> possibly the Heather. just interested to find out a, a little of the thinking going on around developing performance assessment framework and introduction of the system of reviewing Validation of performance management and results reporting by NCP members. Um, I know there's there's also processes in DFAT around broader partner assessment procedures which NGOs are becoming a part of. So uh, I guess to what extent is it going to be something sort of... To what extent are you piggybacking on other systems versus setting up something quite specific for NGOs? Do you have another...?
0: We'll just
4: throw that back to the panel. Okay. Um, Yeah, I think the recommendation for that 4C, which is the validation of results, um, it is a case of we've only just finalised the program logic, which had a draft um, performance assessment framework, and our idea is to try and have these annual reflections workshops with the NGOs where we can go back to the performance assessment framework and see, you know, does it still stand, does it need modification, given that um, I suppose it's quite unusual in that most, my understanding of performance assessment frameworks is if you've got a you know program for five years, you know your start point, you know your end point, you can track progress over time, but because we are an annual grants program, um, it's a bit hard to have something that's sort of um, both uh, tracking progress but to an undefined end point, it's about continuous improvement. So I think um, that's something that after this year's Reflections Workshops we are wanting to um, make a regular um, you know, format with the NGOs. But how we actually do the validation of results, I think um, that's something that requires us to do more thinking but also to engage um, with the NGOs because I think... To a degree, we do, um, you know, random spot checks through audit and other processes. We do um, our regular program of M and E visits, which um, is across different countries and different NGOs. And we're trying to be much more systematic about identifying. Um, you know, there's a large swathe of the full agencies that we haven't yet visited, but you know that it's only going to be one project in one country that you're visiting and you may be able to compare and contrast with another couple of agencies who are working in that particular country, but you are trying to draw that up and say that you know something about the performance of the NGO as a whole. Um, I think we would like to try and use existing mechanisms where possible and whether that's through um, looking at some of the accreditation criteria or talking to the assessors um, as to how we might be able to do that. And there's an assessors' workshop that we've got planned in February where we'll um, be discussing that. Whether we use the partner performance assessments which were introduced um, this year and um, for those who are unfamiliar, it's for any agreement with a... um, Partner, whether it's NGOs, managing contractors, or um, multilateral organisations above $3 million, they have to have a partner performance assessment. So within the ANCP, we have the top 10 partners and one other um, agency who um, is above the $3 million mark. I think. You know, I'd like to actually see it come further down, but it's just a question of resources and how we might be able to use that. And it is um, you know, an assessment based on the organisational review report from accreditation as well as M&E visits and the information that the NGOs provide us. So there's lots of information, but it's trying to work out with the numbers if we are going to stand up to scrutiny, and you know, if we get another ODE evaluation in a few years' time, how we actually um, might be able to put our hand on our heart and say NGO systems are, you know, as good as the, the banks or other um, institutions.
0: Does anyone else on the panel want to respond to that? Um, we are running quite short on time, so um, perhaps if there's any final comments, otherwise we'll move we on to hearing from
6: Jim Adams. Okay, okay. Well, we've Thank you. To
2: So I would now actually invite Jim Adams, who is chair of the Independent Evaluation Committee at DFAS, to come and make some concluding remarks. Thanks, you. By Stephen's 12.30 deadline, I have 40, 39 seconds left. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first of all, I want to thank everyone for coming. I mean, as Stephen just said, this is... I think a nice message about the importance of evaluation and certainly reassurance uh, to both EFAT generally and ODIN, specifically of what's being spent here is being spent on a set of issues that are important and of of relevance. Just on progress, um, the the, the ODIN is now producing about six strategic papers a year. This is a nice change. When I first took this job, Stephen was uh, very clear, as he said, about the need to actually produce something. They're all published, which I think is an important message about transparency. In addition, there are operational evaluations done within DFAT, where IEC is basically pushing very hard with ODE, um, both on the quality, there's a review each year of quality, and increasingly on ensuring more of them are published. That publication rate is not as good as uh, ODE's publication rate, and we're pushing very hard to change that. the increased role of ODE staff is important, both in terms of taking leadership, something we've encouraged in ISC, that the capacity is there, and I think it does both improve the quality of the work, but most importantly, it improves the quality of the capacity with an ODE to do evaluations. That's an important trend. And I think in this, I really want to compliment uh, Derek and his team, that, that they really have changed the environment and the capacity and the quality of work reflects, I think, the leadership of Derek and the good work that's being done by the team. Secondly, I want to express an appreciation for ANU both in ensuring that uh, this remains on the evaluation remains very much on the agenda. It's certainly an, op- you know, an opportunity and appreciation of an opportunity to highlight the work that is done. Um, I think it, it reflects a, a real important allegiance. I think it always produces this attention, but this tension because you're having evaluation of evaluators, evaluators like to evaluate other people, but there's always a bit of tension when people come in um, and evaluate the evaluators, but I do think it's a useful process and I I certainly hope it will continue. I'm just going to quickly talk about three issues, uh, two of hobby horses of mine and one comment on on Australian aid that I think has emerged in the discussion that I'd like to reflect on. My first one is on, my first comment is a hobby horse about monitoring and evaluation. In fact, both Stephen and Joe are wrong. The quality of evaluation is not very good in either the development parts of the development community. And I think the reason for that is simple, and I I fought many battles and largely lost them within the bank on this. The problem with evaluation is it's done very much in the context of the project framework. And this is the bank motto, and it's it's. They, I think they give people shots in the bank about this. Fortunately, they unfortunately they didn't give me the shot. The, the fact of the matter is that this project base produces two dysfunctions. One is it doesn't focus on results. It focuses on the elements of an individual program. The second is that when you look at what the magnitude of valuation being required by the donor community of the governments, it's simply crazy. It's not just the NGOs. It's not just the bank. It's not just the Asian Development Bank. It's not just DFAT. Everybody is producing individual evaluation systems for their project. And then the question is, well, why don't the government support this? Of course, the government doesn't support it, first of all, because it doesn't have the capacity in most cases. But I think the second thing is, it's not responding to the questions that ministers and senior officials want answered. They don't want to know how a bank project is doing or an NGO project is doing. If he's a, she's a minister of health, They want to know what's happening with participation rates, which can't possibly be produced from an aggregation of donor evaluation system. Now, with the increasing focus on quality, there's a whole set of interesting questions that people are having to do separate surveys, putting more more pressure on the governments, in order to get figures for what amount of time teachers are spending in the classroom. Are teachers qualified in their areas of skills? And so I think the problem is we've built an M&E system about the interest of donors to protect with their ownerships the work they're doing rather than stepping back and producing evaluation systems that focus on results. And and my plea would be if we could get a better focus on results, I think the ability to actually make a credible case for aid would be much stronger. So that's first hobby horse. Second hobby horse, just quickly, um, I was interested the way the NGO uh, discussion talked about the learning function I think the learning function is key. And I think one thing that the effort in evaluation in Australia has actually gotten right is a balance between accountability and learning. I think too many of the systems end up focusing highly on accountability, which produces, again, much more difficult discussions, I think. And secondly, and most importantly, you know, you really want staff to read evaluations so that they can learn the lessons learned. And if it's all about accountability, my experience in bureaucracies, staff get very uninterested very quickly. So I think that balance is right. I I appreciate it was brought up in that study. I hope it's central to the discussions that continue both with ANU sessions or more broadly, that learning and focusing on the learning function is really important. My final comment is really about the Australian program, and it draws a little bit from the bank, the study of the banks. And it's this question about recipient execution. Because I do think... Um, The work that was done that David did really raised this nicely. The truth of the matter is that, as he indicated, it's much easier to get a project implemented using, whether it's Australian consultants or American consultants or or firms involved, than getting the governments to do it. But increasingly, I think the challenge is to make the governments actually fulfill these roles more effectively. Now, this is not to argue that bilateral programs in general and Australian aid program specifically doesn't work with governments because we all know there's a lot of policy work, there's a lot of interaction. I mean, the whole scholarship work is obviously a direct interaction with people, many of whom then go to work for the government. But I do think at the project level, this is an issue that should be examined more broadly, that there have to be more opportunities where Australian aid can directly support recipient execution. It does have greater risks. It certainly will take longer. But we know capacity in so many of the countries, particularly in the Pacific, remain major challenges. And capacity is only going to come by giving these government agencies the responsibility to do their job. So I, I would end with a plea that consideration and thought be given to this whole question of should there be created more opportunities to increase recipient execution within the Australian program. I think it'll be a real opportunity for working more closely with the government, and I think over time there could be enormous benefits. I'm not arguing for turning the entire program over and making that DFAT program or making other bilateral programs look like the programs of the World Bank or the regional bank, but I hope there's space to begin to experiment more effectively and more broadly with recipient execution because I think it will provide an opportunity to increase the overall impact of aid. So with those thoughts, I want to thank everyone again for coming and participating, and I particularly want to thank ANU for providing what is a very nice environment for for evaluating the evaluators. Thank you.
0: You have been listening to a podcast from the Development Policy Centre. For more information on our work, visit our website at devpolicy.anu.edu.au. To join the conversation on Australian aid, Papua New Guinea and the Pacific and global development policy, visit our blog at devpolicy.org. At the blog, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all the latest updates or connect with us on social media.
2: Thanks for listening.